Your source for community, Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Visit DairyLaneDental.com. Welcome to Behind the Drive Shortcuts. My name is Douglas McLean, and our very special guest is Lily Lewis from New Orleans. Considered a folk rock diva, Lily has released her third full album, Americana, on October 29th of 2021, and it is an extraordinarily powerful and emotional album and a collection of songs that she claims bears testament to the worries and troubles and sorrows of this world. I have to say, I was just, uh, I was just watching your YouTube video of My American Heart and uh, thinking how appropriate it would be to share that on uh, Twitter today, <laughs> uh, given all the craziness that's been going on this past week. Uh, wow. So, thank you very, very much for joining us here. Uh, I, I wanted to tell you it's a special honor to meet you. I've been uh, very much in love with Americana, and uh, thank you and congratulations. What a moving set of songs. Uh, you must be getting a wonderful response on the album. Has it been received well? First of all, it's my absolute pleasure to sit down with you today, and I really appreciate you reaching me out. Um, and yeah, the um, thankfully we got a good response. Um, I I think I you know it seems like a a lot of people um, experience the the music as moving, but I think you know a lot of the responses I got were like um, or the reviews were that I was like singing about slavery and things like that. I was just like, well, no, that's not what I was getting at. So I, I'm not exactly sure that I get that I said skillfully what I was trying to say. But I am very thankful that the music has been received well. Wow, that's uh, yeah. I I didn't actually um, I didn't actually catch that in the songs uh, that, that notion it wasn't there <laughs> yeah can you oh, do you mind uh, taking us through the uh, the the genesis of the album and how it all came together and just give our audience a little bit of a sense of how it was created oh for sure um, uh, the, the literal genesis is two seeds two songs on the record came around the same time one was If It Were You, that one came first. And that one came around the time with all the, the kids in cages. And I was feeling like not able to, um, I, couldn't, I couldn't figure out like what I could do about it. You know, like where, where you know, pressure points would be that like Lily Lewis's contribution to that crisis right. um, would be useful. And usually when I feel impotent like that, I end up writing a song, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so that kind of came out as I was asking myself those questions, you know, what can I do? Um, and I, I tried to find some real world concrete things to do, but also um, the song was born. 
And then a few weeks later, um, in the middle of the night, maybe around four o'clock in the morning, yeah. um, woke up with my American heart in my head. And um, I think at the time uh, I was feeling so sad. I was kind of in the warmth of the sadness that I had for, for uh, how lost, you know, I felt our, you know, our, our country had, had been showing up as for a while. And, you know, I thought, um, you know, these two songs are, are beautiful and humble. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and maybe I could dress these songs up, right. you know. So I go through my catalog of other songs that maybe had gotten left on the cutting board, you know, on the, on the floor. Sure. Um, or, and so, and, and other songs came up throughout the year. Uh, but, the, but when those two songs came up, the intention right away was to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a love song album to my country. Yeah. And that's what became called Americana. Yeah. Well... <laughs> Yeah, um, let me tell you, let me just share something this morning when I was trying to get ready for the interview because I was a little nervous about meeting you. And uh, when I I listened to My American Heart this morning, it just brought tears to my eyes because uh, the world feels so troubled and uh, especially America just seems to be in a real difficult situation and of course I'm Canadian so I have no say in what happens down there but looking from afar you know uh, it's just so troublesome and uh, and um, you really uh, captured it both musically and lyrically the feeling that uh, so many other Americans must be uh, going to I have a lot of American friends and uh, (laughs) yeah go ahead sorry our hearts are exhausted yeah we're exhausted. And the thing about, um, for better or for worse, you know, whatever is going on here impacts the world. Exactly. Like, I think it's because we're so aggressively um, media-oriented. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we discovered the art of the bullhorn very, fairly early in our history. Yeah. Um, and... So everything that that happens here gets projected outwards in a, in a in a fairly shallow and destructive way. Yes. Um, and so not only am I sad for where we find ourselves, but I feel that we're being irresponsible by not attending to it. Yeah. You know. Um, and it, like I said, it impacts it impacts everybody. Yeah. You know? Well, um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Well, I mean, certainly, I mean, I talk to a lot of people, and uh, there's a number of Canadian singer songwriters who are quite worried too. I mean, it just seems mm-hmm. to, everything seems to be in a tipping point. Um, the, all of these songs are your compositions, is that correct? On uh, my yes. yeah, yeah, because at first I I I thought Copper John might be someone else's, but uh, um, now the other thing about this too is that the songs almost seem like little prayers and uh, very contemplative. So if you listen to the whole album from beginning to end, um. In my humble heart, anyway, it almost feels like you're sharing 
a kind of meditative space with somebody. Uh, how did you manage to capture that kind of continuity from song to song? Uh, um, that's pretty powerful mm. stuff. <laughs> or did you intend it that way? Maybe you didn't. <laughs> I don't know. A thousand percent I intended it that way, I, I, I but did. I wasn't convinced that, um, that that would be the end result. So throughout the entire production process, I, you know, I was praying a lot that it, it came together in that kind of way. Right. And um, really have to thank my co-producer, Mark Bingham, for holding on to that vision alongside me and just being so deliberate about what we included and what we removed from, you know, from the productions, uh, from the production point of view, just sort of like, even though the musical styles might be disparate to some listeners, um, like the intention like of the thread was so taut, you know, and normally when I record uh, songs for a record, I leave myself permission to take out things, to take out songs that don't add to the narrative. And, you know, I brought him 13 tracks and I felt like I couldn't take out anything. Right. So it was a real, um, I felt like every song was imperative to the, you know, the full experience. And so it was a real challenge to make these songs belong to each other. Um, But I love that you experienced the meditative um, quality of it. First off, because um, I kind of set it up. I'm, I'm not a religious person, um, but I definitely grew up in a religious family. My father was a preacher, et cetera. And so the language of, you know, like I'll, I'll, if, I, if I'm singing something live and I feel like I effectively communicated something, my response is always, amen. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. or often instead of saying thank you, I'll be like, amen. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, and so, or very early on, I was like, oh, I want this to be a service. I was a very, like, pious little uh, Episcopal girl growing up. And, and so I was like, well, we're going to frame it as a service, which is why it has a prelude right. and a benediction. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and for me, there are movements in, in, the, in the work that represent things like a Gloria and a Credo and an Agnus Dei and, you know, yeah. um, but I've never shared any of that with anyone. So you got an explicit there. Uh. Um, just last night, I was, I was performing at um, one of my favorite places to play in New Orleans, a little restaurant um, called the Live Oak Cafe. And, um, and I haven't been doing a lot of live performances lately. And so early in the set, I remember saying to the audience, I'm not doing this lately, so I don't know exactly who I am or where I am in all of this right now. And we're going to figure that out together right. about halfway through the show. I was like, I think what it is is I'm feeling prayerful. Right. So I'm sharing all the prayers with you guys. Is that okay? Yeah. You know? um, and, and they were fully supportive of that. And so... I think in general, this whole pandemic experience and a little bit of a maturation experience on my part has left me doing a lot of meditating. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> an awful lot of meditating. Yeah. And honestly, I can also say that most of my songs are written from that space like, right. where I have been and I'm asking the universe to answer it for me. And often the answers come incomplete or otherwise do the songs yeah 
Well, I mean, if if people have the opportunity to uh, to go through that, you know, because I don't think many people anymore even listen to albums uh, from right. beginning to end. You know, I'm an old guy, so I remember when that was so important, you know, and you'd put the album on and you'd mm-hmm. just be sinking into the artist's uh, revelations. So it's 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 quite a it's 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 very moving and it's one of the few this year that has caught me that way there there's been uh some very interesting albums come out because of the pandemic um and you know and uh, some of them are so thoughtful that way but this one really mm-hmm. shoots for the stars this is behind the drive shortcuts my name is douglas mclean and you were listening to an interview i had with lily lewis from new orleans in january Lily's music is the kind of music that reaches right into your heart and shakes it and shakes it and shakes it until you can see the truth. I hope you'll uh, go check out her catalog and please check out many of her videos. Lily Lewis from New Orleans. We'll be right back in a few moments. source for community. Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. Brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Visit DairyLaneDental.com. Welcome back to Behind the Drive Shortcuts. My name is Douglas McLean, and we're in conversation with Lily Lewis about her extraordinary album, Americana. Can can I ask you a little bit a bit about your background because uh, audiences, you know, I'm I'm way up in uh, Muskoka. I was thinking this morning, you know, we woke up; it was minus ten Fahrenheit this morning, and I'm going right. Yeah, you know, you you're probably <laughs> a little warmer down there. Um, um, but can can I just can because I read that you were trained as an opera singer. Did you ever actually perform as an opera singer or did you pursue any of that? Or how did you kind of end up here? Um, I did for a couple of years, um, you know, concertize. It was hard for, well, you know, at the time when I was coming up, it was hard for black women to get cast. I was a kind of a early music Mozart soprano, like I had a like a, a small little dainty voice and with a lot of coloratura. Yeah. And so I was my voice was appropriate for like the love interest roles in Mozart operas. Right. Um, but there was a lot of typecasting going on at the time and no one had the imagination to typecast someone who looked like me as a love interest. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> um so I did a lot of um you know, like recital work and oratorial work um, early, early on. And um, but then my life sort of fell apart. Like my father passed. And so I had sort of a grief attack that probably was a long time coming. Um, but, but when he passed, that ended up being like a catalyst for all things to sort of fall apart. Right. And um, there was just a lot of difficulty in my home. And um, I think in those years when I was kind of working with my grief, I started writing songs that I didn't have a context for. And I think that they were weird enough that nobody else would sing them. Mm -hmm. Um, But they 
always in my head. And so I sort of took it upon myself to try to figure out like how I might be able to sing them myself. And that's where the singer songwriter, you know, part of my journey began. Um, It was totally by accident. I never imagined, honestly, from young childhood, um, five years old, I never imagined having a life outside of classical music. Like it was my deep, profound love. Piano was my first uh, friend. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I started piano when I was three. um, And uh, it still is, it still is a really enduring love. Yeah. Um, and then I I went to a boarding school where the music program did so much amazing vocal music, like the choruses. Like we did two oratorios and an opera every year. Oh my you know? goodness! Actually, two two operas every yeah. year. Well, One of those operas would always be by a black composer. Right. I mean, it's really outstanding. Yeah. Um, amazing music program, etc. Um, and then I. So I got obsessed with singing in that way uh, while I was in boarding school and um, double majored in college. And just, I loved the way singing took care of the inside of my body. And I loved the way piano took care of the outside of my yeah, body. You know, yeah. just coming back and rattling through and, right. you know. Yeah. So, uh, so that, that was my absolute love. And were it not for a profound degree of grief that I had to confront, not just with my father, but all kinds of stuff. Uh, that's where I would have lived. But yes. this this path is incredibly rich yeah. um, as well. And, and I just find myself taking it day by day. Sure. Figure out, you know, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> well, how do you go from being, because opera tends to be fairly emphatic, you um almost exaggerated in a way and very controlled to going to this sort of intimate inward song cycle. Like uh, it's pretty, pretty amazing transition in a way. uh, If that's the right thought Um, process. Yeah. I love that you you said emphatic. I love that you used that word. Hmm. Um, A lot of people find opera so off-putting. Um, but the, the fact that it's emphatic and deliberate was absolutely necessary for me because I was um, and am uh, an extremely sociophobic. And I really took it upon myself to hide at every turn. Right. And so studying opera was kind of the first thing that drew me out, you know, in a way, like it would just rattle my body so completely that it would shake a lot of me loose, you know, <laughs> from the inside. Yeah. One of my first years of kind of getting to know myself, you right. know, so I'm so glad that I, that I got that kind of deep dive um, for sure. Um, but how did I make the transition? Honestly, in the early years, I say for the first five or 10 years, every time I sat down to play, I felt like I was reteaching myself how to sing. Right. And the whole world became my conservatory. Like anybody that any, anyone's performance that I found like transparent and moving, right. you know, I would try to dig into the mystery of what made that happen, what, what generated that experience for me. And I remember one year I chose six songs to sort of teach myself how to get raw with myself. Right. And I would play these songs every day. Um, 
until each one made me cry. Right. Um, and it was like, well, you haven't, you haven't hit the epicenter of the power of the song until you can allow yourself to be in it in that way. Yeah. And that was, that was like my little personal study to like learn how to fully embody a song in from a different direction. Right. And I think that, and I think that for those six songs, I chose other people's songs as opposed to my own. Um, because I wanted to see if I could internalize other people's songs in that way. Um, and that's what gave me permission to internalize my own songs in that yeah. way. So it was a very deliberate, it's still a very deliberate path. I think like having moved to New Orleans about eight years ago um, pushed me even further along that path because in the singer-songwriter world, we can be so introspective and yeah. so like, centered and I don't mean that in a negative way but just you know self-focused in New Orleans I learned um I got to watch in the most you know epic conservatory possible um how to fully embody something and then also take care of the audience at the same time yeah. like also understand that you're facilitating a mutual experience that can have as much you know um contour you know, as you're willing to bring to the table, it can be joyful, it can be mournful, it can be all of that at once. Yeah. Um, and there are real masters here. Right. Oh, um, yeah. You know, conducting energy in that way. Yeah. And so, so that, that's been kind of the, the latest um, in my, the latest education in my past. You wow. Know? Can, um, you, can you tell us what those six songs were or one or two of them that you studied in that way? I can remember some of them. Um, South Side of the Light by Sarah Siskin. Wow. Uh, the Way I Am by um, <laughs> Martin Sexton. Um, you Are the Only One by Toshi Regan. Uh, Open Eyes by Sandy Hammond. Um, and I don't remember what the sixth song was. <laughs> well, that's quite a list. That would take you yeah. pretty deep into. <laughs> My name is Douglas McLean. Thanks for listening. <laughs>